When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi there, Duke fans. Welcome to episode 520 of the Duke Basketball Roundup. I am joined this morning. Actually, it's not the morning. It's the afternoon. I don't even know what time of day it is. It's morning somewhere. <laughs> it's morning somewhere. There you go. Uh, I'm Jason Evans, and I'm joined by Donald Wine. Donald, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Uh, first of all, great show that you guys had with Jay Billis last time around. I, I really uh, always enjoyed Jay Billis uh, in his perspective, but um, that was a very cool conversation. I'm glad we get to do it again this time around. Exactly, exactly. Donald has teed up what is coming next. We promised it last time that we were going to be talking with Jay Billis about Derek Lively. We spoke to him earlier about Derek Whitehead. This is our conversation coming up, a conversation that Sam and I had a couple days ago, just full honesty, obviously. Uh, but Donald's going to join me to chime in about it once it's all done. But for now, have a listen here as Jay Billis talks to us about Derek Lively and stick around because he's also going to talk about Victor Wembenyama. So once again, we are joined by ESPN's uh, NBA draft guru, Jay Billis. Jay, thanks a lot for joining us here on the Duke Basketball Roundup. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's always my pleasure. Yeah. So a couple days ago, we chatted with you about Derek Whitehead. I want to turn now to Derek Lively, Duke's other guy in the draft and, and the guy who probably has the, the superior draft stock, so to speak. You know, it was a year ago that Duke had Mark Williams's rim protection and lob threat that turned him into almost a lottery pick right on the fringe of the lottery. And this year we have Derek Lively playing a pretty similar role at Duke uh, being a terror in the middle on defense and, and not having a huge role on offense. Um, You know, Derek Lively was pretty content to only take like open dunks. (laughs) His usage rate this year was 12% which is phenomenally low. Uh, what do NBA evaluators see when they look at his game? Are they only enthralled by the defense or do they think there's potential there on the offense? They see both. So with Derek Lively, the second you've got a seven foot superior athlete that can run. Uh, he's unbelievably long. He's got a wingspan of like seven, eight. And he can block and change a lot of shots around the rim. He's an impact defender. Uh, He's a a solid rebounder. Uh, I think he can actually improve in that area as he gets uh, gets stronger. But he can really run. So uh, as a rim runner, shot blocker, uh, rebounder, uh, he's got tremendous value with that alone. Um, You know, in the NBA, they're looking for elite level skill. And he's got an NBA skill of, of rim protection and rim running. And I think you mentioned lob threat. He's a lob threat. Um, uh, so he can put pressure on the rim that way. 
his offense is behind. And part of the reason is he had some injuries just like Derek Whitehead did and didn't, you know, get it, get off to a great start. And I think his confidence was affected. And, you know, anytime you're the, if he was ranked as the sixth best prospect coming out of high school, I think he would have taken less criticism with his sort of the early start. But when you're number one, there's a bigger target, bigger expectation, stuff like that. And you always have to, like, I got phone calls from, colleagues of mine saying he's the number one player and i go he's really good like give him a give him a little time here you know it's not a final grade uh midway through the season um but he handled that pretty well i know it wasn't easy especially at, at that age when you're 19 years old to take that kind of criticism that you know where is this number one player we've all been talking about we had all this anticipation for because you know a lot of people didn't see him in high school um but he's very very talented and, uh, and, you know, I think some of the, some of what he's shown, uh, in workouts and, um, the things he's been doing since the season ended, uh, I think help project him as a, an offensive player that is going to get better and better. Um, Mark Williams was, uh, was ahead when he came out, but he had also had another year. So if you project Derek Lively out another year, he's going to look a lot different than he did last year. And that's sort of what this game is about is trying to, trying to peg where not, not who he is, but where he's going to be. And uh, you know, look, you can go back to say Grant Hill after Grant Hill's freshman year, they would have said, we can't shoot. And they didn't say that after his senior year. Um, you know, he improved that tremendously. And his first seven years in the league before he got injured, his his performance was up with the greatest of all time. And had he stayed healthy, he would have been. And I think he still is. Like, I I, I refer to him as a Sandy Koufax of, of basketball. But his, his seven I years before he was injured were were just like Sandy Koufax. The numbers were astronomical and, and were matched only by the, you know, Mount Rushmore players, you know, Jordan, Bird, West, stuff like that, uh, Oscar, you name it, uh, ridiculous numbers. Uh, and and I'm not saying Derek Lively and Grant Hill and Sam, I'm just using that as an example right. that you look at him as a freshman and you're going, well, he can't do this. He can't do, they can't shoot. And, uh, and Lively, you'd say right now, he's got no offense, but that doesn't mean he's going to have no offense in another year or two. Um, that doesn't m mean he's going to be Kareem, but but it means he's going to he's going to be a hell of a lot better than he is now. And he's got that sort of ability level. And he wasn't ranked number one for no reason. Um, he's very talented and he's got a great future ahead of him. The fact that he didn't realize it, realize upon it in his freshman year, uh, uh, you know, you don't take a discount on that. I mean, he could be taken in the top 10 in this draft that that's that's the kind of uh potential that he has um and and what i would say is like the ceiling is pretty high for him uh and the floor is established you know it's a his floor if he does nothing else his rim protection uh run running the floor lob threat all that because he's a terror around the rim um, you know, heck what he did against North Carolina in, in, you know, what, what he blocked 10 shots. I don't remember what it was, but he was, a yeah. he was a terror in that game. And that's not that, that wasn't unusual for him. Um, you know, maybe the 10 was, but not the, not the high impact on the defensive end. And, and, um, 
so he's gonna he's gonna do I think that that floor being established there uh, is is very attractive. You know, you, you mentioned you know the the floor of being a great defender. I, it wasn't just his rim protection. Just you know, from my perspective, I saw a guy who when he got switched onto smaller players, he was not outmatched. I mean, one of the things with, you know, we talked about Mark Williams a little bit. When Mark Williams would get switched onto guards, that was a problem for Duke. When Derek Lively would get switched onto guards, that was a problem for the guard. <laughs> uh, yeah. what, what, what do you think Lively's potential is in the NBA? Are we talking about a guy who could someday be defensive player of the year? It's possible. Absolutely. Uh, because you're, that's a good point. Like, uh, when he does get into screen and roll situations, you can switch, you can guard for a couple dribbles. And because of his lateral mobility uh, and his, his, uh, uh, his quickness, you know, he can guard for a couple dribbles. And with his length, he can recover and, and bother some things. Um, so that's, that's a big factor. Um, he's, not, he's, not a, he's not a stiff, you know, sort of seven feet. He's a lithe athlete that can he can move and uh, and he can move laterally. Um, he's got really good feet, um, you know, and I think he's going to get bigger and stronger. He's not going to turn into, you know, Artis Gilmore size wise, but you don't want him to do that. He didn't need to do that. Uh, it's not a low post game anymore where you get into, you know, uh, aircraft carrier battles down on the low block. That, that's not the way the game's played anymore. So his mobility is a, a big factor and, and another attractive piece. So let's get back to his offense then for a moment, because there was talk when he was in high school and like in the preseason at Duke, that Derek Lively might be a legitimate threat from the three-point line. I know there were a lot of Duke fans like salivating over that. It never really emerged. I mean, he was two of 13 on three-pointers uh, this past season for Duke. That's not a good percentage and that's not good volume. <laughs> But but I've seen some footage from his NBA workouts. It seems like he looks pretty comfortable shooting from outside. Does the league think, you know, when you talk to people, uh, you know, around the NBA who are looking at this draft, do they think that Derek Lively projects as someone who might have a three-pointer threat when he's in the in the NBA? I think I think there it has opened some eyes that he's got the capability to to develop there. Uh, but it goes back to the ceiling floor that that it, 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 he has shown in a lot of these workouts that he's got that capability. It's not a definite uh, because it has to be done in five on five games. But um, but it goes back to the floor thing. The floor is so high, it's not a risk. You know, if he develops it, great. If he doesn't, look at all these other things he does that 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 help you win. Like one of the players that, you know, I told you last time, I, I hate, I, I'm not very good at comparisons. I don't hate them. I'm just not very good at them. But I, I think back to when DeAndre Jordan came out of uh, Texas A&M. Um, and now he was a second round pick and look, he's still in the league and uh, he's been playing forever. But one of the things I thought was he has no offense and look, look how productive his career has been. Oh yeah, and you know you you go back and say okay he should have been drafted much higher. That's sort of the, the the difficulty of the draft, as I was saying saying in our last time together. Um, and I look at Lively the same way as as uh, DeAndre Jordan. If he if he doesn't develop it, you know that that's a bummer. But look at all the other things he does that are going to help you win. Now, 
Lively just turned 19 uh, a few months ago. What do you think his timeline is? You you talked earlier about, oh, you know, Mark Williams had that extra year. What, what do you think Lively's timeline is of, of being an impact player in the NBA? Is it is it immediate or is it a few years? I think it's immediate on the defensive side and the, the rim run side, the lob side, all that stuff. I think that stuff's immediate. Uh, the the offense is going to may take a while. I don't know. Um, and that's sort of the thing about this. It's just there's a lot of I don't know with some of these guys and Lively is one of them. Um, but you're, you know, sort of betting on the come on this. Like, I, I, I think he's going to do really well and I think he's going to develop this stuff. But, uh, you know, I wish I I wish I knew that stuff. Nobody knows. Um, You'd be but, a GM if you did. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, but GMs don't know either. I mean, you know, how many how many guys passed on Nikola Jokic? You know, he went 41st in the draft. No, Nobody knew. Uh, they could say they did, but nobody knew that they were going to get this. And uh, and similar, um, you know, similar with a guy like Lively. Like, but but Lively, you 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 do know or at least, you know, really believe that he can the things we've talked about that that he does really well defensively athletically length um, lobs all that stuff um that that foundation that floor is is pretty darn good uh, jay i know you don't like to peg specific spots for players but uh, you know i was sort of thinking over under like the lottery like you know top 14 or not in the top 14 uh, you know wh- where do you think Derek lively ends up going i had him uh 10 to 20 uh, and I know that's pretty wide range, but I, I think there's a very good chance he goes between 10 and 15, that that he'll be in the lottery. All right. I, I want to move really quickly to some other stuff about the NBA draft, because we, we got to talk about the guy who's going to go number one, Victor Wembanyama. Um, the, the hype train here is unlike anything we've seen in a generation. I mean, I remember the drafts when Zion Williamson and Anthony Davis came out and those guys you know, like no brainer, absolutely number one, going to be game changing players. Those guys would go number two if they were the same draft with Victor Wembanyama, right? Yes. Oh, they would absolutely go number two. So, do you believe he's the best prospect since LeBron James? Yes. Yes. And uh, and this is the way I. This is the question I've asked of myself, and I don't have an answer for this one. So. I saw LeBron James when he was a sophomore in high school and, uh, and I was blown away. I'd never seen a player like that at that age. It just didn't, it almost didn't make sense. He was so, so talented and so good. And, you know, he was, you know, just as skilled as Kobe Bryant was or Kevin Garnett was coming out of high school, but he was so much more physically imposing. Uh, And, you know, he had everything. So it was talk about no brainer, but if you had Victor, if you moved 18-year-old LeBron, and if you could, I know it's difficult to do, but if you could dismiss what he did after being 18. Right. Just just knowing him as a prospect, you mean? Yes. Not knowing prospect become, only. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because if you said, okay, you could have LeBron knowing he'd be 38 years old doing all this for all this time, or Victor, yeah. you'd take Top the bird two all time. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to take LeBron because yeah. I, I know what I'm getting. Um, that would be That would be kind of easy. Um, but if you had them both at 18 side by side in, in the same draft, not knowing what's coming, 
but just on your belief. And today's game, uh, you go, uh, that's that's hard choice. Like you may take Victor number one. That's how good he is as a prospect. And uh, uh, you know, if and I, I'm I'm you know maybe we all are. We're old enough to be able to make this comparison. Some of the young people look at you and go, "What are you talking about?" If Ralph Sampson were born 20 years ago, I think th- that's the comparison I would have for Victor. That that's you know when when we were brought up and Ralph's only a few years older than me. It was you'd go to practice and, you know, they would say, all right, big guys down here, guards down here. And the big guys would work on back to the basket stuff. And but Victor was not raised that way. He was raised to play a floor game and raised basically to be a perimeter player guard. You know, it's not that he can't operate in the post, but he would operate, you know, a step or two out. And uh, and he can he can shoot it, man. He shoots like 84 percent from the free throw line. And that's a pretty good indicator that the guy can shoot it. Now, he's not a prolific three-point shooter right now. He shoots around 30%. But his fluidity, uh, he's he's got like an eight-foot wingspan. And his mobility at that size is ridiculous. He's not shown any injury issues. He's been raised to be a professional athlete. He does all kinds of things that are next level in, in preparing his body and, and all that stuff. Um, he's a joke. And the only question mark, reasonable question mark you could have about him is two. One, durability, which he's shown no issue with. There, there's You can't point to, well, he missed all this time injured or he's got this problem. or that. There's no discussion about that. And he was playing uh, against and, grown men in that, in that French yeah. league. Yeah. It wasn't like playing against high school or college guys. He was playing against men. Yeah. And uh, but a lot of these college guys are men too. But yeah, that's a fair point. But but he played in the same division as Rudy Gobert, and Rudy Gobert in I think it was twenty seven games, um, and and for uh, Wembanyama it wound up being thirty four. He blocked like fifty more shots than uh, <laughs> than Gobert did. That's a pretty fair indicator that the guy can can operate. And uh, but you know all you have to do it's it's. I don't know. I don't know how to say it, but we can sit and list all the things that he can do. And, and it's a long list. Um, but it would be like us saying, uh, well, let's break down Usain Bolt. You know, Matt, does he, how quick does he get out of the blocks and what's his closing speed and his form, like his form. But, but after you watch him run, you're going, what are we talking about? There's nothing (laughs) to talk about here. And I feel kind of the same way about, about Victor, just like I did with LeBron. But I felt similarly about Anthony Davis, too. Like, it's not a discussion point. But if you had Anthony Davis and Victor in the same draft, you would take you would take Victor. I think most people would, if not all. All right. I've got a silly exercise I want you to to do, which is uh, obvious. I don't think anybody's calling San Antonio. I don't think San Antonio is answering the phone for anyone who wants to talk about trading for that number one pick. But let's do a silly exercise. Talk to me. Are there are there players that San Antonio would trade that number one pick for? Kevin Durant, Giannis, Jason Tatum, Luka Don. Would they trade it for someone like that, or are they so sure that Wembenyama is going to be great that there's like no one in the NBA? I'm saying players right now that you would trade that pick for. It's hard to imagine that Milwaukee would give up Giannis, right? Um, right. So it, it it's. 
I, I get your point, but it's it's hard to even wrap my head around what kind of offer you could get to give that up. Like, what would you have get? What would you have given up in two thousand three for the rights to LeBron? I, I don't. I can't imagine giving that up. Um, I'm sure there's something, but it would have to be a pretty. It'd have to be an incredibly impressive package um, because you're you're looking at a, a player that, barring injury, it has transformational ability. Like you know, I, I I only remember saying this about or thinking thinking this and saying it about LeBron won um, a little bit with Zion because I had never seen anything like that on a basketball floor. Like he's unique. There's never been a player like like Zion uh, on a basketball floor. Um, but similarly, there's never been a player like Victor. Um, he's an, a rarity that uh, that I don't think has a, a comparison. There's no comp for this guy. Um, and maybe he's maybe we'll see more of him in the future with the way the game has changed. Uh, but you're. <laughs> I, I can't think of you know a, a seven four guy that can do the things that that he can do. There, there's just not one. Yeah. And so when you have that in front of you, um, you'd have to give up a lot to get it, uh, to or you'd have to get a lot to give give that up. So what what's his timeline? You think is he going to be a starter on day one? You know how good do you think he'll be? Is it mostly going to be on defense, or is he also going to be good on offense from day one? You know, just give me you know, probably going to be rookie of the year, but, but I mean, are we talking about a guy who's going to be an all-star level from day one? I, he's got that potential. Um, I don't know, like the rookie of the year thing usually goes to the one that scores the most points and all that stuff. And sometimes the rookie of the year goes to a guy that's playing on a, on a bad team and stuff like that. Um, but, uh, you know, Doncic was ready right away. Um, I think I think Victor's going to be ready right away to make a major impact. Does that mean he averages twenty five and twelve and you know four blocks or something? I have no idea what the the numbers will be, and he'll have games where he doesn't look good, and he'll have games where he looks amazing because uh, he he's still going to be a rookie in the NBA. Um, but you know, when we were younger, like when I came out of college, they drafted nothing but twenty two year olds, and they were called rookies that had a lot to learn. Yeah. And now if you're 22, they're like, look at this old man. He's already shown everything he's got. I I, I never understood that. I still don't understand it. Because, um, you know, 22, you still got a long runway ahead of you, not as long as when you're 18. But, uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't have any doubts about, about Victor. Uh, let me move to the guy who I guess may be the, probably the second pick, Scoot Henderson, because he's another player that, that people are super excited about. I mean – you know, I talked about no one's calling San Antonio, but everybody is calling Charlotte to see if they're willing to move the number two pick. Uh, what what do people see in him that is really impressive? Because just from a statistical standpoint, like I looked at his his three point shooting. I mean, guards need to be good shooters from the outside in the modern NBA. Scoot Henderson, it, it, you know, he hit twenty one percent and thirty two percent from three in his in his two G League season. So it's not his outside shooting. What are people so excited about him? He's really dynamic, um, super athletic. He's got great length. He's only like 6'2 or so, but his length is of a 6'9 guy. Uh, so his arms go forever, and he's he's unbelievably competitive. Um, you know, he when he takes the ball to the basket, he goes to dunk. Uh, he makes dynamic plays, and he's a playmaking guard. He's a really good passer. 
Um, his numbers as in the G League were uh, from offensive rating to assists, uh, you name it. Uh, he was he was more productive and and better in those categories than uh, uh, than uh, the kid that went to, I'm forgetting his name now that went to Houston uh, a few years ago. Um, he uh, he can he can play, and uh, uh, you know I, I think it'll be a tough choice though between Scoot Henderson and Brandon Miller. Because Brandon Miller's six nine and he can really shoot it. He may be the best shooter in the draft. He and Bryce Sensabaugh are two of the best uh, from Ohio State. Uh, are, are two of the best shooters, maybe the two best. And um, and so Miller's got a ton of upside, and he's bigger, and he's he's a little bit better defensively. But the shooting piece, I think, is you're not questioning that with with Miller in a league that really values shooting, um, and rightfully so. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see Henderson go number three, uh, and, uh, and, but, but he could go number two, but, but, uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Miller go to, to Charlotte at two. Jay, we want to thank you so much for giving us all your insight in the draft and we will see you Thursday on the broadcast. Looking forward to it. My one day of the year, bladder management, <laughs> six hours without, without going to the men's room. Uh, how many drink do you have a, do you have a, a, a cup there of, of water to keep your, throat parched or, or or what it's usually coffee uh because those are it's a long week but uh you know as you get older uh this is becoming an issue it, it wasn't a problem the first you know 10 15 years but the last the last five or six i've had to go you know i, I better not aren't, have you, aren't you behind the desk the whole time can't they can't they hook you up somehow that yeah i going back to the movie what was it semi-tough uh with burt reynolds and Chris Gustafsson, yeah, when they had to go through that S training, yeah, maybe I should have, uh, maybe I should look into that. But we, I've, we, I've been we, pretty good so far. But we but send people to space. We can't, we can't have you go to the bathroom during the draft. This is ridiculous. Yeah, I'm sure I could leave the desk at some point, but the draft moves pretty quick. You know, I don't know how the football guys do it. You know, they're there for three days. Jay, thanks a lot, man. We appreciate it, buddy. Always, Jay. My pleasure. Thank you, guys. Bye bye. Hey there, Duke fans. You know, warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors. No prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer. Thanks to the menu of chef-created meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. That's right, Jason. And Jason, I can tell you, I just got some meals. They're fantastic. And the great thing is, like you said, two minutes, mindless work, pop it in the microwave, do what you need to do, and it's ready to eat. No more cooking, no more cleaning pots and pans. And also, there's a lot of choices with 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. So you'll always have new flavors to explore. All right. So head to factormeals.com slash DukeBB50. Use that code DUKEBB50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code DUKEBB50 at factormeals.com. Get 50% off your first box, 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Enjoy Factor Meals from the Duke Basketball Roundup. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So we're back from the break now. And again, we want to thank Jay Billis for providing all that insight. By the way, folks, in just a couple of days, Jay will be the ESPN analyst hosting the NBA draft. We, uh, you know, here on the here on the DBR podcast, we do uh, we do not mince. We don't, uh, you know, go for the also rans. We get the guys who are the main hosts, the big time players. And Jay Billis is that when it comes to uh, draft and analysis. Donald, um, you didn't get to take part in the conversation, but you've listened to it now. Uh, you know, what are your big takeaways from what Jay had to say about Derek Lively? Well, I I'm glad that he agrees with me in the fact that a lot of teams are going to be enamored by his defense. You know, Derek Lively and Jason, we were kind of talking about this before the show offline, but defense is kind of something that the NBA as a whole has kind of decided they can't really teach. They can teach offense. They can develop offense, but it's very hard to develop someone who was a mediocre defender into an elite defender. So they're going after guys now, especially some of these teams towards the back half of the, of the first round, they're going for guys that, Hey, we already got all the offense in the world, but we need the defensive compliments. And I think that is where Derek lively is kind of thriving a little bit as far as a first round prospect, but also Jason, I know we were discussing this as well is that because of how an elite, defender he is he's one of the best defenders in the first round of this draft a lot more teams are interested in getting him and perhaps might be you know figuring you know deciding about moving up in the draft to get Derek Lively so I know in the show you guys were kind of talking about him it towards the you know back end or at least the mid to late first round but you know who knows this draft can have outside of the first pick everyone knows that the first pick is going to be I know we'll talk about him in a minute but after that there's a lot of intrigue about this draft way more intrigued than we thought we would have a few weeks ago. So, uh, and Derek Lively is going to be a big part of that. So, you know, don't be surprised to see his name being mentioned early on as some of these trade rumors and, and teams start dealing as the draft continues. Yeah. When, when we talked to Jay, you know, I put the sort of over under, I was like, Hey, is he a lottery pick or not? Does he go in the first 14 or does he go after that? And at the time I was asking Jay about it, I sort of thought, I think probably maybe he goes just a little bit after 14, just because teams don't seem you know, as enamored with big men as they used to be in the past. But but in the past few days, th- there have been more and more rumors that there are teams out there, and in, in fact, potentially including my Atlanta Hawks, my home my hometown team that I, I have season tickets to, who are really intrigued by Derek Lively, that they, you know, they see him as an immediate guy who can impact things on the defensive end of the floor, Donald, as you were talking about. But they also think that that he has potential to really develop offensively there is talk that the Hawks and some other teams are targeting like Dallas's pick at number 10 trying to maybe work a deal with Dallas Dallas is a team that has some really great established stars and wants to bring in you know guys who are more established in the NBA versus a rookie and so there's a lot of talk that Dallas may be interested in dealing that number 10 pick 
and that the teams who are looking to trade into that spot are looking to trade there because they think that that's where they can get Derek Lively. I, I have to tell you, you know, a couple months ago, if you told me that Derek Lively is being talked about as a top 10 pick, I don't know that I would have believed that, but I'm glad that NBA teams are recognizing some of what we saw during the season, which is that this guy is such a difference maker on that end of the floor, on the defensive end of the floor. He may not be doing a lot on offense at first, but man, the fact that he can guard one through five, even at the NBA level (laughs) as a defender and block shots the way he does, it's just something that the league recognizes can really be a difference maker. I, I love that you guys uh, discussed the comparison between him and DeAndre Jordan and how a lot of people are kind of using that as a diss of Derek Lively. You know, DeAndre Jordan. Dude, DeAndre was awesome. Simply an NBA champion right now. Like, I mean, currently on the Denver Nuggets as an NBA champion. Like, the man has been everywhere. And and yeah, sure, DeAndre Jordan is not the guy I'm looking forward to shooting a 30-footer. But, I mean, he's ended lives in the paint with with some of his dunks. Uh, and, look, I'm a Pistons fan. You know, Brandon Knight is, is still RIP because of that, uh, the vicious dunks uh, of DeAndre Jordan. But if Derek Lively gets to that point where, yeah, okay, initially he starts out as a guy who can give you two or three blocks a game, can give you two or three dunks a game, including one that's probably over somebody else, and give you eight, you know, eight to ten rebounds – like, yo, you can teach the rest of that. You can teach about his game. And, and Jason, as you mentioned, we've seen video of him knocking down the three, that three that, you know, some of us, some of us on this show thought was going to come a little bit earlier than others. Um, but I do think that, you know, if he's working on his outside game, that again can always improve over time. And defensive part will still stay there. Defense will get you on the court, you know, or at least your offense sometimes gets you on the court. But for Derek Lively, his defense is going to keep him on the court late in games especially when you have some of these athletic guys going to the rim he's proven that he can go toe-to-toe with some of that athleticism and still be able to cleanly defend you at the rim so i'm really excited about his prospect like jason i don't know where he's going to land but i do think wherever he lands it's going to be a really really good situation for him and that's what i'm most excited about yeah you know the the comparison Jay made the DeAndre Jordan comparison, which is one I hadn't really thought of. And it's a very good one. The, the one I keep on hearing from people who are draft analysts is Tyson Chandler, who is a guy who oh, yeah. is not, mm-hmm. not, not a big offensive threat in the NBA. But uh, Tyson Chandler was a guy who just protected the rim and hoovered up rebounds. And I mean, let's not forget, Tyson Chandler was NBA Defensive Player of the Year. He made multiple all-defensive teams in the NBA. And this was a guy who, like you mentioned, was an NBA champion um, one of his seasons. I, I think it was with the Dallas Mavericks. He was an NBA yep, champion in 2011. But also yeah. he could he could so, pick off 20, right? Like it's not like he yeah. was a guy who was just going to give you your four points and 18 rebounds. He he could go for 20. He could hit, you know, the occasional outside jumper and stretch a defense. So, yeah, it, it's it's one of those things where, again, he came in and his is a little different because Tyson Chandler came out of high school. And so, but he still had the same kind of upside and potential that a lot of people see in Derek Lively. And I think that's the key here. Yeah. Hey, let's move on to the other thing then. And we tease it up and we, we spoke to, to Jay about this as well. Victor Wembanyama. Th- Donald, what do you think? Is this guy an immediate, you know, this is my big question to Jay. The big thing I want to know about Wembanyama is, is he immediately an impact player in the league or does it take him a little more time? I think the question of whether he's going to be impact player, I I don't think there's a question there. I think individually, I mean, I've seen a lot of his game over the last two years. 
this man is one of the greatest basketball prospects I've ever seen. I'm not going to, you know, and, and that's not hyperbole. I know people are talking, you know, greatest player prospect ever or since LeBron James or since whoever. This man is the real deal. And, and the fact that in the time that I've seen him, he's grown six inches and he was 6'11 when I first saw him play. Like this man is a is a is a cyborg slash freak of nature. Now, will he be an impact player for the Spurs? That remains to be seen because I do think in the NBA, you're going to need more than just one guy to really revolutionize revolutionize a team. But I do think this is a very, very big piece. And and like you said, Jason, a lot of teams, I mean, look, my Pistons literally tried to tank an entire season to get him and failed because everyone understands what kind of game this guy can bring. But I think in San, in, in San Antonio, you know, pairing him with, you know, Trey Jones and, and the young guys that they do have, it's the start of something special for San Antonio. And I think they should, you know, all Spurs fans should be excited about that. But also the NBA should be excited about this because I do think he's going to be a player we're going to be thinking about and, and hearing about and seeing for a very long time. Look, I, I think anyone who's skeptical about this guy hasn't really looked at the tape. And they especially haven't looked at I, – I saw this guy play against the G League Ignite. And and let's be very clear. There are some young – there are a lot of young players in that G League Ignite team. But there are also a number of players who have been in the NBA or are sort of fringe NBA kind of players. I, I want to remind everybody that when Victor Wembanyama played that G League Ignite team, he put up 36 points with 11 mm-hmm. rebounds and four block shots. Uh, and he did that like in, in consecutive games. Like he, it, it was clear, it, like he did it in the first game. You're like, wow, this is unbelievable. And then he did it in the second game. You're like, oh, okay, this is what he is. So playing against guys who are basically like almost right there on the cusp of being in the NBA, he's effortlessly, effortlessly putting up a double-double 30-plus points and and blocking shots just like, you know, there's nothing to it. Uh, this Jason. dude is going, yeah. Yeah, this is this is a guy who, in the course of a game, he shot a thirty footer, missed it, and alley oop tip dunked it, his own yeah. miss from like fifteen feet. Like, ain't nobody doing that in the NBA, much less anywhere else on this planet Earth. And I think that's why people honestly need to get excited. It's not just the fact that he's seven five and just a freak shooter or anything like that. He's a freak athlete. Like. People talk about him being Giannis and, and LeBron and, and HCT. And they talk about him being all these guys and all these guys that they refer him to are some of the greatest players that this game has ever seen. And so if you're talking about this guy already rolling to one, oh yeah. And he's still growing. He's seven foot five. Like it's amazing what he's already accomplished. And it's amazing to think about what he could accomplish in the NBA just from that alone. So I think, yeah, it's, it's so, it's so exciting to watch from a standpoint of him, I'm thoroughly disappointed that he will not be in a Pistons uniform. But that's just, I have to deal with that. That's just me. Hey, hey the last thing we want to mention really quickly is there's a lot of talk. Uh, and, and look, this it, what I'm about to say may be dated in a matter of minutes because NBA trades come at any moment. But we, we should mention that we are on the lookout. There's a lot of talk that Zion Williamson could be traded, that the New Orleans Pelicans are a little frustrated with some things about Zion, obviously his health has been a huge, huge, massive issue that has clouded, uh, overshadowed all the amazing things he's accomplished already in his brief NBA career, and that the Pelicans maybe are ready to move on from Zion and trade up toward the top of that NBA draft, not number one, but perhaps trade to number two or number three. Um, 
and and that that they're ready to move on from the Zion era. So we're going to be on the lookout for that, Donald. I don't know if you have anything to say about it or if it's just something that we want folks to be aware of as we approach the NBA draft. No, it, I mean, it's it's interesting how quickly that has turned and how many teams, you know, Jason, you pegged it right when you said that nobody is calling San Antonio about the first pick, but almost the entire NBA is calling uh, is it Charlotte right now yeah. about the number two pick. And this could be an interesting scenario because uh, we know about Zion Williamson playing his high school days in Spartanburg, South Carolina, but he yep. grew up in Charlotte and he, he was, he was born and raised in Charlotte and ended up going to Spartanburg for high school. So this is a homecoming of sorts, if this is to transpire, but also I think Charlotte is not the only team trying to acquire Zion and, you know, the Pistons have been out there looking at trades. I think uh, I'm thinking like other bigger teams like the heat and the Knicks have kind of figured out what they could package together. So it's it seems pretty certain um, as of this point, 3.09 p.m. on the East Coast on Tuesday, January 20th, that Zion Williamson will not be a Pelican uh, come the start of the or come the end of the NBA draft. But it's going to be interesting to see what they do with him, how many picks they get or whatever, but also if they move up to get Scoot Henderson, if that's really what they're after here. And if they don't, if they're not able to make a deal with, with Charlotte, does he stay a Pelican? I think there's a lot of questions here. Um, and then also, Jason, I think just offhand, look at the Boston Celtics. They have a lot of questions that they have with their free agency. Do they keep Jalen uh, Brown because he's about to sign a Supermax deal? They're about to give uh, Jason Tatum a Supermax deal. And a lot of people think that they may have some moving pieces moving around. So there's going to be some dookies involved in this draft, not just Derek Lively and Dreek Whitehead. So, of course, Jason, we will give them all the recap once all the dust has settled. But uh, it makes, again, like I said, for a draft that six weeks ago didn't feel like it was going to be really intriguing, it's become very intriguing over the last couple of weeks uh, with all these trade movements and rumors going around. Right. So the NBA draft coming up Thursday night, and we will be back with you very, very soon after that to talk about what happened to Whitehead, what happened to Lively, what happens to maybe other Dukies who are on the move, whether it's Zion or someone else. For Donald, I am Jason. Again, we're sorry that Sam could not join us here on this edition of the podcast. And we have to, again, thank our good buddy, friend of the pod, Jay Billis, for joining us and breaking down all draft things that we asked him about. Please like and subscribe to the Duke Basketball Roundup. And always don't forget, go to our link tree. We want you going to our link tree, clicking on those links. We have a whole bunch of different affiliate relationships there. It's one of the ways you can support us while you are acquiring the coolest Duke gear out there that you can show off your Duke fandom. So, again, for Donald and Sam, I'm Jason. Thanks again. Here's the Duke band to play us out and take us home.